Good morning, church. Man, okay. Now, let me just tell you. I say good morning, and that's the part where you say, yeah, okay. Just so you know, we like amens. We like hoops, hollers, whatever you got. I will take them. Uh, it's Sunday morning, and uh, we can help each other stay awake, right? You with me? Okay, let's just practice this, okay? I'm going to say amen, and you say amen. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. I'm with you. Uh, my name is Doug, and I get to be one of the pastors for our church. I am so honored to be down here this morning. Uh, well, City Light, we're in the middle of what is called core team season. The core team season is that time between nothing and something. Like just a few weeks ago, City Light Southwest Iowa didn't even exist. It was kind of like a, a vision in Jason's mind. It was a hope in mine and Eric's heart. And it was this idea, maybe God wanted to do something new in Southwest Iowa. And now that nothing is turning into something, something to where we got to eat some delicious pancakes and sausage this morning. We got to get to know each other. And now here we are in this room this morning talking about how awesome Jesus is and how great our God is. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. And so we're in the middle of core team season. And during this time, hey, anybody is welcome. So tell your friends and your family, your neighbors and your coworkers, invite them to come. But just to be be honest, it's not going to be all nice and polished just yet, okay? Like our building is in transition. It's going through some updates. We got things that we're going to work out in this core team season. We got to figure out serving teams. Who's going to be greeting? Who's going to help with City Light Kids? Who's going to do security and communion? You know, all these different things. We'll be figuring that out in the next few weeks. But still, anyone and everyone is welcome. It's just not going to be slick and polished. And just by virtue of being here, we want to say welcome to our core team. We're glad you're a part of it. Welcome to the party. Uh, One of the things that I love about the City Light Church family, both here and in Council Bluffs, is we're made up of people from all different ages and stages of life. Like we have some singles who are using their time and their talent and their treasure to make Jesus famous. And we've got some empty nesters who are using their wisdom and their time and their love to make Jesus famous. We've got people who are married without kids, married with kids, nearly married, newly married, everywhere in between. I love it. It takes me back to the time in my life when Whitney and I, my wife, when we got married. I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was, but it takes me back to that time when we got married. And Whitney and I, we had a couple of key things in common, Jesus and good looks. She looked good, okay? And she looked good enough for the both of us, and so I just let it work for me. We both loved Jesus, but beyond Jesus, we didn't really have a whole lot in common. We actually met when we were kind of doing a prayer ministry together, and I remember looking across the room and seeing her and thinking, wow, she loves Jesus. She is passionate about Jesus, and she's pretty too. You know, so Jesus led to one thing, and one thing led to another, and now we are married with five children, two dogs, five and a half acres, and three church plants, and so I think we got a photo. There they are. Like, those are my favorite people in the world, Uh, my oldest all the way over there, and nearly two youngest on the other side. So that's my family. So Whitney and I met, and something that I discovered about us is that Even though we were both Christians, 
we were really different from each other. In fact, like if I would have gone to one of the churches that my wife grew up in, if I would have walked into it, I would have been like, this is strange. Like, what are they doing in here? And if she would have gone to one of the churches that I grew up in, she probably would have said, this is strange. What are they doing in here? Have you ever had an experience like that? Some of you are having it right now. You're like, this city life thing is strange. Like, what are they doing here? Welcome to the party. So glad that you're here. What Whitney and I experienced as we came together is actually pretty common for Christians. Christians are part of the same, like, worldwide family of Jesus followers, but can still look really different to each other. One of the areas where this happens is between, like, on one hand, you got people who are the Holy Spirit people, okay? And then over on the other hand, you've got the Word people, okay? You just track with me. Over here, you got the people who are passionate about the Holy Spirit. They want the Holy Spirit to fall, the Holy Spirit to show up, to like come in power and with His gifts. These people, they want to sing more songs on Sunday mornings. They want more drums and more cymbals. They want more prayer meetings, right? They're just saying, oh, Holy Spirit, come in power. We need your gifts, whatever it takes. Just give us more of your presence, your power. They want the Holy Spirit. And then, like, on the other hand, you got people who are all about the Word of God, the Bible. They want more Sunday school classes, more teaching, more truth. Let's dig in and do some real uh, deep Bible study. They know that what our young church needs is a solid Bible foundation. So give us more teaching, more truth. Give us more Bible, okay? So you got spirit folks and word folks. Now, this morning, we're going to read a passage in Scripture in Acts chapter 2, a story about when the Spirit of God and the Word of God came together. They combined, they joined up together. It wasn't like the Spirit of God was against the Word of God or the Word of God was against the Spirit of God. No, the Spirit of God and the Word of God came together to lift up the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bibles in hand or on your phone. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to look at that passage of Scripture that Jason read aloud for us. And let's just pick it up right there at the beginning. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Okay, quick history update. By this point in time in our Bibles, Jesus has come and he lived a perfect life. He didn't sin at all. But then Jesus, though he had never sinned, he died the death that really all of us deserve because we have sinned. And then Jesus rose again victorious from the grave. He hung out with people for about 40 days. And then Jesus ascended back to the Father, like back to heaven. It was kind of one of those deals where he just like floated up there and disappeared. It sounds strange, but it's true. Now, Pentecost was a day 10 days later, okay? It would have been 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, 50 days, nearly two months later, this is happening, okay? Back to verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And then verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided uh, tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, that is powerful. Wow, you know, like, where did that come from? It went from nothing to something really fast. 
Now, here's where you can uh, take down some notes, write these down. Point number one is really simple. The Spirit of God shows up, okay? The Spirit of God shows up. These followers of Jesus, they were just doing their thing, having a prayer meeting, seeking the Lord, and then the Holy Spirit of God showed up. And when the Spirit showed up, He wasn't quiet, (laughs) He was loud like a mighty rushing wind. He was bright like 120 flames of fire coming down on people's heads. What would that have even been like, right? I probably would have just like run for the fire extinguisher. It was noisy like uh, all the different people in the room speaking different languages. This that is happening is the fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen. In chapter 1, Jesus told them, hey, wait right here in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. Whenever Whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And now all of a sudden, the promise is being fulfilled. The power is coming on them. The Holy Spirit of God shows up. So maybe we should just pause and ask this question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Or what is the Holy Spirit? Is is he God or like is he something else? Is he this mystical, like magical force? Is he kind of like Casper the Friendly Ghost or the Star Wars Jedi force that just makes things happen? Who or what is the Holy Spirit? The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is God. He's not junior varsity. He's varsity. He made the A-team fully God. He's equal in quality and worth and authority. The Holy Spirit is God. Our God is a trinity, okay? This is just big Bible words. Our God is a trinity, one God, but three persons, okay? You got God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, and then God the Holy Spirit, who we're focusing on right now. All three of them are fully God. There's not three different gods. There's only one God. And each of these three, they kind of have different roles that they usually play. Like the Father, he usually plans things and oversees things. Jesus, the Son of God, he like accomplishes them. He gets the task done, right? Get her done. That's Jesus right there. And then the Holy Spirit, he empowers. He gives people power. He lives. You might think of the Holy Spirit like this. The Holy Spirit is a living person living inside a living person. It's not a force. He's not just an idea or a theory. He is a living person living inside a living person. When you give your life to Jesus, when you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved in. He started living in you, and he gives you the power to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, to praise Jesus, to be on mission with Jesus. And perhaps most shocking to these early followers of Jesus in Acts chapter 2 is that the Holy Spirit fell on all of them. Like they had heard stories of this Holy Spirit. They had heard about like Samson in the Old Testament doing these mighty feats of strength when the Holy Spirit would fall on him. Or they had heard about Elijah and these other prophets who would speak the word of God boldly when the Holy Spirit would fall on them. But it was always just one person who would get the Holy Spirit. Now, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is falling on all of them. And I love this. No longer is the Holy Spirit reserved just for some super saints or a certain special time. No, look at Acts 2, verse 17. See what God says in verse 17. He says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on, what's the next word, church? all flesh. 
and your sons and your daughters. There you are, kiddos. You guys will have the Holy Spirit. You don't get like a junior varsity little mini Holy Spirit. Your sons and your daughters get all of the Holy Spirit. That's why we love and welcome children around here. Your young men, here you go. You youth, you college students, you singles, you will see vision. And your old men, all right, empty nesters and retired folks, game isn't over yet. You still got a role to play. You will dream dreams. And so the Holy Spirit comes on all of us. So you're like, this is wonderful news. The Holy Spirit isn't just at work in the city. He's at work in the country. The Holy Spirit doesn't just work among rich people. He works among poor people as well. The Holy Spirit doesn't pick younger people because they have more energy. And he doesn't pick older people because they have more wisdom. Your level of education don't matter and it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit can and does work through all of us, old and young, rich and poor, tall and short, in the city and in the country, men, women, and children. So don't count yourself out because you know for sure that God hasn't counted you out. When the Holy Spirit falls, when he comes, every single one of us have a role to play. We all get to be involved in what the Holy Spirit is doing. You know, I think sometimes that religion would want to put God in a box. Religion might say that God only works through old people. Religion might say that God only works through you if you've been a Christian for like 20 years and you've got half the Bible memorized. Or religion might say God only works through the pastors who get paid to do what they're supposed to do. Well, religion might work that way, but the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit falls on all of us, and He loves to work through all of us from top to bottom, front to back, young and old, rich and poor, men, women, and children. In City Light, with all seriousness, can I just say, we need this. And by this, I mean the Holy Spirit of God falling on us. Suddenly, surprisingly, without notice, we need the Holy Spirit to show up. We need Him to take charge, to take over, to take control. And if He comes with the wind, the fire, the tongues, the uh, encouragement, the administration, whatever gifts He wants to come with, we're okay with that. God has put a call on us, our church, which is us, to multiply disciples of Jesus in southwest Iowa. And that can't be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. God has put a call on us to multiply churches in southwest Iowa and around the world. And once again, that can't be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need Him. And we don't just need Him on Sunday mornings when we're gathered to sing songs. We need Him during the week, too. Like, whenever someone asks you, hey, I hear there's something new going on in Emerson. Well, what, what about you? What do you believe about God? You need the Holy Spirit to show up and help you in that moment. And when temptation is knocking on your door late at night, you need the Holy Spirit of God to show up and help you. When tragedy strikes or relationships break down or your plans don't go like you wanted them to go, we need the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, City Light, may our gatherings and our scatterings, wherever that takes us, be marked by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. So first we see the Holy Spirit of God shows up And then secondly, we're going to keep going. Look at verse 14. In verse 14, Peter, who's kind of a spokesman among the followers of Jesus, he says this, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. 
Now, here's what's happening. The Holy Spirit of God has just fallen in mighty, overwhelming power. It's this great and awesome experience. But what does Peter do? Peter looks around and he sees this crowd that has began to gather. And he realizes some of the people in that crowd, they're going, oh, this is awesome. But other people are going, they must be drunk. Like they had a little too much to drink this morning and now they're falling off their rockers. Something's going on here. So Peter has a decision to make. Does he let the cool, awesome Holy Spirit experience just keep right on going, or does he do some teaching? Peter chooses to say something, to do some teaching, and at the end of verse 14, he says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And give ear to my words. So Peter lifts up his voice. He addresses them. He asks them to give ear to his words. He wants something to be known. Now, connect all those dots. What is Peter doing here? In spite of the wonderful, powerful Holy Spirit experience, Peter rightly and wisely sees the need for some teaching. There had been a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now there needs to be some explanation. So Peter's going, hey, let's open up our Bibles and look at this. Here's what he does. Verse 15. He says, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. They're not drunk yet. Come on, guys. It's, well, they probably never got drunk, hopefully. But anyways, he's saying this is what was uttered. Verse 16, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, we're not going to read that whole quotation from the prophet Joel, but here's what stands out to me. Let's see if you notice this too. Peter quotes the Bible. He quotes about like not a neat story that he heard or something that he heard on the radio or kind of a general idea, but Peter quotes the Bible. He goes to an Old Testament passage that he must have studied and learned about, and he quotes the Bible. So even when the awesome power of the Holy Spirit was on display, Peter still trusted and leaned into the power of the Bible. The other thing that stands out to me is Peter quotes the Bible. Like he quotes from memory these Bible verses from back in some small minor prophet, Joel. It's five verses, over a hundred words, and Peter just busted out from memory. So, I mean, obviously, he's studied these words, he's meditated on these words, he's prayed through these words, and because he's done all the hard work of Bible study and Bible memory, then he's able to joyfully experience the cool, awesome stuff that the Holy Spirit is doing. So, City Light, can I encourage us? Let's always be a church driven by the beauties of the Bible. We desperately and thoroughly and fully need to trust God's word, his final and written word, the Bible. And so that's why you're going to discover we just preach through books of the Bible. We just open up passages like these and just walk through them. It's nothing fancy. It's actually really simple because we believe there is power in the Bible. We want to hold fast to the scriptures, and when God's doing amazing spirit-filled things, we want to be able to explain those using some Bible verses to help people engage in what he is doing. And may we be people of the Bible, not just on Sunday mornings, but also in our daily lives, in our city groups. Like when a neighbor stops you at the grocery store and says, oh, hey, I heard about the whole city light thing. Well, can I ask you, what's going on over there? Can you tell me what it is? May you have some Bible verses that you can go to there. Or when temptation knocks on your door late at night, 
May you have some Bible verses that you can go to and resist sin, push it away, and keep pursuing Jesus. Or relationships fall apart, or tragedy strikes you, or plans don't go as you wanted them to go. May you have some Bible verses that can give you hope to get through those tough times. And so City Light, may our gatherings and our scatterings, whether those take you, be marked by a passion for the scriptures, for the Bible, the written word of God. So here we go. We've seen that the Spirit of God shows up, and then the Word of God is preached. Both of those are happening, but Peter's not done with his sermon yet, right? He's still got more. Look at verse 22 with me. Peter quotes some of this Old Testament prophet of Joel stuff, and then in verse 22, he says this, men of Israel, hear these words. What's the next word? Jesus. There it is. Okay, let's say that again because this is our favorite part, okay? Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. We can pause right there before we keep going. Do you see what Peter is doing? It's really brilliant. The Holy Spirit has fallen in mighty power, and then he preaches some Bible verses to explain what's going on, and then he says, hey guys, all of this it's all about Jesus. This is all pointing to Jesus. Yes, the Holy Spirit coming in power is awesome, and preaching the Bible is awesome, but it all builds towards, leads towards Jesus Christ. This is all about Jesus. It is from Jesus and for Jesus. And then after that, Peter goes on, and he tells these people that Jesus was proven to them by God through miracles and signs and wonders. And God himself put his stamp of approval on Jesus. Then Peter tells them, I mean, he was courageous. He says, you all went and crucified this Jesus. God approved of him. You guys rejected him and crucified him. But then God raised him from the dead because death couldn't hold Jesus down. Then Peter goes back to other Old Testament Bible verses, quotes some more. The guy knew his Bible. And then it all comes to the end in verse 36. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain. Here's what I want you to know. God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This Jesus whom you crucified, it is all about Jesus. The Spirit of God falling with wind and fire and tongues and whatever else he came with, that was from Jesus and for Jesus. The Bible with all of its chapters and verses and stories, that is from Jesus and for Jesus. Our lives, whether it's little decisions or big actions that we take, it is from Jesus and for Jesus. All of our past, all of our present, all of our future is from Jesus and for Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And I think, if it weren't me standing here this morning, but it was Peter standing here, it'd be a better sermon, and I think he'd say this. Whenever I reached down and I got hold of a young man in Red Oak, Iowa named Eric Wiggum, and I saved him, that was from Jesus and for Jesus. And then whenever I took him to college and put a desire in his heart to plant churches in small towns back by his hometown, 
that was from Jesus and for Jesus. And then when I connected him with the tall, lanky dude named Doug and had them plant a church in Council Bluffs, that was from Jesus and for Jesus. And then when Eric came through and he would preach here every month or so for a while, that was from Jesus and for Jesus. When Jason Latta called the City Light guys in Council Bluffs and said, hey, could we talk, could we explore some things? Whenever we all met with the deacons of First Baptist Church in Emerson, we prayed and we saw what is God doing here. When the church prayed, when the vote was made, all of that was from Jesus and for Jesus. And now when our children meet Jesus Christ and get saved, when our neighbors meet Jesus and get saved, whenever we get to multiply disciples and launch city groups, whenever we get to reach out into the surrounding towns in the areas all around Emerson, Iowa. It is all from Jesus and for Jesus. The story of City Light Southwest Iowa, whether it's the Spirit of God coming in power or the Word of God being preached, it is all about Jesus. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. And can I ask you, like, what about you? What has God been doing in your life? Like, if you were to slow down a little bit and take some inventory... Did your bills get paid last month from Jesus and for Jesus? Did God do a work in your heart and open up some hope that you didn't know that was there? That is from Jesus and for Jesus. Have you given your life to Jesus and you're planning to get baptized? That's from Jesus and for Jesus. Maybe you were lonely, but now you have friends. You were stingy, but now you're generous. Maybe you were angry, but now you're gracious. God's doing a work in you. It's all from Jesus and for Jesus. So you're like, let me start out our Sunday morning quarantine gathering saying something very clearly. It is all about Jesus. He is the reason that we cry out to God and say, hey, send us your Holy Spirit. Come with the wind, the fire, the tongues, the generosity, the grace, the gifts, whatever it is, just come for the glory of Jesus Christ. He is why we lean into and hold on to the Bible, the fully, once for all, delivered to us scriptures that will never change, why we preach through books of the Bible, why we dig in and do Bible study for the glory of Jesus. From start to finish, may the story of City Light Southwest Iowa be the Spirit of God comes in power, the Word of God is preached, and it is all for the glory of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? And let's ask God to make this true in our hearts. Father God, I know right now, all of us in this room, we come with different experiences in the church. Some of them really good, some of them not so good. We all come with different experiences with you. Some of us have a really clear picture of who you are and who the Bible teaches you are. Others of us, we're just beginning to discover who you are and how you operate. And so, Father, this morning I pray, oh, through your Holy Spirit, would you move in power in our lives. I know there's people in this room who have needs, who they need you to show up in their lives. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, would you show up in their lives? Let them know they are not alone. They are not powerless. You will come on them and they will have your power to love Jesus and follow Jesus, to make much of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you fall on us? And I pray specifically for those who fear losing control of their lives. May they surrender that to you, Holy Spirit, and trust that you're a better leader than they are, 
that you're a better decision maker than they are. You will lead them and you will love them well. And then, Father, I also pray, would you do a work in our hearts to give us a hunger for your Bible? I just pray that this week, um, all of us, whenever we open up our Bibles or pull up that app on our phone and we're trying to read the Bible, would you speak to us? May it not just be words that don't really make sense, but would you speak to us and give us a passion to know what your scriptures are saying, what you are teaching us. May we be a people of the Bible when we gather on Sundays, but also all week long when we're in city groups or we're just sitting at the kitchen table, would you speak to us through your Bible? Oh, and then, Father, would you make it all about Jesus? May Jesus be famous in southwest Iowa because this group of people were crazy enough to say yes. May Jesus get famous in Emerson and Shenandoah and Red Oak and Stanton and Oakland and Malvern and Glenwood. May Jesus be famous in Clorinda and everywhere in between because this group of people said, Yes to Jesus. Would you use every single one of us to multiply disciples? I pray that there'd be some of us in this room who give our lives to Jesus and get baptized soon. And then I pray that all of us in this room would have the opportunity to lead a friend to Christ, to share the gospel with them and see them, admit their sin, believe on Jesus, and commit their lives to him. Oh God, this is something we can't do on our own. <laughs> but you have such high hopes and high dreams for Southwest Iowa. Would you use us? all for the praise of Jesus, all to make him famous for his glory, we pray. Amen. All right, church, we're going to do something. Um, before we take communion together, I've asked a friend of mine to share his testimony with you guys, just so you can hear, man, how has Jesus changed someone's life? So, Mark, come on up. This is my good friend, Mark, and uh, you can share your story. You want the microphone? Good morning, everyone. My name is Mark Hardesty, and Pastor Doug asked me to share my story. Um, he asked me to share my story because I didn't know who Jesus was until just a few years ago. So sometimes it takes a little bit of life to, uh, to live and really experience before we come to, to know Jesus. And growing up as a child, my wife is downstairs also, but growing up as a child, I grew up in a family with addiction and alcoholism, and it was rough. Um, I wasn't given examples. I didn't grow up in church. Um, so as soon as I could get out of the town I grew up in, I got out of town. Uh, I went to the military, and let me tell you, that does a whole lot for making you really trust in people and want to seek them out. I'm being very sarcastic. but um, So I got out of the military, and I came back to Nebraska, and I met my wife. And my wife comes from a very similar background. And so we got married, and we didn't have a good example of what marriage looks like. And so we didn't do that very well either. Um, seven years, seven long years of uh, just rough. And then we found out we were going to have a, a child. And my wife looked me in the eyes, and she said, uh, let's go to church. Let's make it different. Let's not have them grow up the way that we did. Uh, church was a foreign concept to me. Um, I was born Catholic, but we weren't practicing, and I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, so we started going to church. And uh, my wife found Jesus before I did. And I remember one time we were sitting at home together, 
Uh, I was trying to get into the usual fights that we did, and she wasn't. And I looked her straight in the eyes, and I said, you can't do this. I said, you're making me look like the crazy one here, and I'm right. But that's where Jesus had grabbed her and started to change her heart. And um, I, I can't, I've been blessed beyond all belief. She continued to seek to help me also, and we had started attending a small group uh, with church. And that was scary for me. I didn't care for people much, and why am I bringing a whole group of people into my life? Um, it was a pretty foreign concept, but I'll tell you, that's where I started to learn who Jesus was. In that small group, I had some people who loved me on my worst day and loved me without expectation. They loved me, and they poured into me, and they asked for nothing back. I love my family that I grew up with, but I had never had true love before. And when I had that, and I had people who poured into me on my worst day without expectation, I started to be able to realize what Jesus did for me and who Jesus was. And that was, as Pastor Doug was preaching here, the Holy Spirit working through other people for the glory of Jesus. And through that, I learned to trust and I learned to build relationships. Um, I'm a work in progress every day. Um, but my marriage has been redeemed. I have children who now have been born and have been born to Christian parents who were, didn't grow up with some of the hurt and, and brokenness that my wife and I had went through. Um, a lot of times through my story, before I knew Jesus, I was defined by my career. And he even used that. There was a point where um, I was the greatest uh, police detective in the world, and I deserved this next promotion, and I didn't get it. And I had been going to a men's group, and uh, one of the leaders there said, hey, Mark, what's your problem? And I explained it to him, and he said, hey, come have lunch with me tomorrow. And so I was expecting to get hugs and pats on the back. And he brought out the Bible, and he opened it to Romans 13, and he had me read it to him, and he asked me three questions. And he said, Mark, he said, um, do you believe God has put your bosses in place? It said it there. So I said, yes. He said, Mark, uh, does your boss ask you to sin in the carrying out of your duties? I said, no. And he goes, Mark, are you compensated well for what you do? And I said, yes. And he said, Mark, according to the Bible, do you have any reason to have the attitude and uh, just, uh, I'll be honest, the hatred towards your bosses. And I said, no. And he goes, if you believe this, he goes, then you need to start showing that. And that was a big turning point for me also. And Jesus has worked through so many people. My son downstairs right now is nine. I had been baptized as a baby because I grew up Catholic. And when City Light was brand new, their first communion, we weren't even members there, but I went to help a friend cook for the communion. And um, this was the point where Jesus was really starting to, to have a relationship. We were having a relationship, and I say that Jesus was having a relationship with me because I fought him pretty hard. But I'm very lucky that uh, he also fought very hard for me. He died for me. But through that, my four-year-old son was listening to Pastor Gavin preach, and Pastor Gavin had said, you know, your 
baptism is a public proclamation in your belief in Jesus. And so my four-year-old son walked up to me and he goes, Dad, have you been baptized? And I looked him in the eyes and he said, yeah, when I was a baby. A four-year-old looked me in the eyes and said, Dad, that doesn't count. <laughs> so I took my wallet and I gave it to my wife. I took my gun and I gave it to my wife and I went and got baptized. But it was about obedience. It was about pushing into the Holy Spirit and being obedient when he's using everything else in my life to speak to me. And I would love to speak with all of you if you ever have any questions, but that's my quick testimony. Thanks, Mark. I love your story. Just one, how the Holy Spirit showed up in your life, especially through other people. And I know we're all going to experience that as we launch city groups and you guys get in city groups, you're going to be like, oh, it sounds like God's talking to me, but I'm hearing it through her voice. And so the Holy Spirit's going to show up in that way. And then just that moment where you had to realize, okay, following Jesus means the Bible trumps <laughs> my wishes and how I want things to be. And so I got to submit to the Bible, even at work, even in those relationships. So awesome stuff. So thanks for sharing your story.